Good evening, everyone. It's Thursday, again, post-Halloween. I'd like to welcome everyone to this week's episode of Necromaniacs. How's it going, Mike? It is going well. Yes, Halloween has come and gone. The day after, the day after Halloween. It's always a sad time. Sad, right, Mike? It really is, man. I, um... You know, like the autumn, like the this is my favorite time of year, and it's always it always seems so fleeting. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you look forward when when the weather starts changing, and it mm. finally starts getting cooler. And especially up here in the Northeast, where summers can be quite brutal, and then when you get that nice fall, you know, fall autumn weather, and you 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 feel like you can kind of like breathe again, and the leaves start changing, and and then it's winter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, oddly enough, there's a 1979 movie, The Day After Halloween, also known as One More Minute. And I have the vinyl uh, soundtrack for it because it's got this really cool cover. You know, it just says The Day After Halloween on it. And I, w- I always thought that was kind of cool. It's got like this chick with like a, a knife silhouette. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but... Uh, I haven't. I haven't seen it. Yeah, seek it out there, listeners. Uh, the Day After Halloween, One More Minute. And then apparently there's yet another movie, uh, or at least it's on IMDb, called The Day After Halloween from 2022, I guess, which is a, a new horror comedy you could uh, check into. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah, man, Halloween was good. Uh, Mike and I ran into each other. Uh, I did that uh, flea market in Brooklyn with Stella, and uh, it was uh, good to see you, Mr. Hill. It's always fun. I enjoy doing things like that. Uh, you know, we hung out. Uh, saw some other friends of ours, and then, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And then we, we, we all uh, went from we, the human, yeah, and his we, wife, family, yeah, yeah. And then Always we hit, we hit up time. that tiki bar too, which is kind of nice. Yes, uh, dromedary bar in in Brooklyn. Uh, if you're into the whole tiki kind of thing, check it out. Very cool spot. Um, yeah, it was it was a fun weekend, you know, fun uh, adult Halloween weekend. No no trick or treating, but we, we did kind of, you know walk around the neighborhood because my neighborhood in Brooklyn just kind of goes all out with the decorations for Halloween, which is nice. That's always good, man. It always makes me happy to see that kind of stuff. Yeah. There was like, on like two different parts of the neighborhood, there was like DJs and fireworks and people going a little buck wild over here. That's awesome. Yeah. It's it's nice to see some like normalcy, you know, after two years of kind of really blah Halloweens, right? I kind of feel like, uh, you know, even though it feels like some people really still want to hang on to uh, <laughs> it's it, it 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 we're kind of you know it's done. You know what I mean? We're, we're yeah, out of, we're out I of agree. Thing, you know, look, people are still getting sick. People still get COVID. My mom got it three weeks ago for the first time. But as far as the whole putting your life on hold part, yeah, that's over. I think it's fucking over. Come on. You know, yeah, totally. don't put your life on hold. Um, but anyway, that was our little our little soapbox there. Um, also went to Chiller on Friday, uh, Chiller Con in Jersey, which was fun. Um I got uh, Ken Foray from, you know, Dawn of the Dead fame uh, to sign my Dawn of the Dead box, which I have uh, George Romero's signature on and a few other cast members. Uh, you know, 
always good to go to Chiller. Um, pretty crowded, you know. Uh, I, it's funny there were these these lines for Ace Freely. Oh dude, yeah, that were just like ridiculous. And then, sure enough, uh, all throughout the weekend on Facebook, like Chiller pages and random posts, people were just like not happy let's just say about that and he showed up like three hours late one day and kept taking hour breaks every hour and <laughs> jesus christ man like fuck that i mean honestly i love kiss whatever but no and no for all that shit i'm not waiting on a four hour line at a fucking con for ace freely would you no, but I love Kiss and I love Ace Freely, specifically yeah. Ace Freely, and but I would not wait online and I would also feel like there's a fifty fifty chance that he's even gonna be there, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. No. Well he was there, but he kept like taking he took breaks every fucking five minutes. And it was just like, Oh my god, that, that's <laughs> fucking crazy, dude. I, I would not be down with that. I I would walk the fuck off the line, honestly. But Dude, there was there was nobody walking off the line. The line was like outrageous for Ace Freely. So, I guess uh, the the Kiss moolah, the Kiss machine rolls on. Oh, definitely, man. That's an institution, you know. Yeah, I have some friends that are very, very big Kiss fans, and and I'm wondering if if they would do that. But uh, I don't know. I mean, look, I, I'm I'm a tremendous slayer fan and you know they're broken up and you know I, I would stand in a line to say meet the members of the you know surviving members of slayer but i don't know if i would stand in a four hour line to meet like slayer you know that's like half the day man yeah you know I, mean? I, I, uh, right. I wouldn't do that either honestly no and and if i kept hearing that oh well he's taking they're taking a break every five minutes that would just like nope i'd be done you know, that's just like insulting. But uh, yeah, but Chiller was cool. You know, um, it's always fun to just go and walk around, you know, look at the people and see the sights. Yeah, I I, uh, I did not go this year. I went last year. Mm -hmm. And uh, but instead of going to Chiller, I, I went with our uh, quality control manager, Rennie uh, Starkweather. Yeah. Ronnie Starkweather. Mm -hmm. We met up in Philly at the Philadelphia Film Festival, and we caught something in the dirt, the new mm -hmm. Benson and Moorhead film. Nice. And uh, it was fucking great, man. I think it's I, I think it's going to be hitting streaming this month. Mm. Yeah, so it's uh, it snuck in at the end of the year. Definitely going to be on my <laughs> list somewhere, you know. So wait, is the general public going to get to see it between now and the end of the year? Yeah, yeah, it goes. It's uh, going to be on streaming like this month in November. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah November it's... releases. Don't put those best of lists together just yet, kids. Dude, right? We have to do our year-end episode like the last week of December and get it up for the last. You know what I mean? Like we got to wait. January. I mean, I'm literally almost tempted to do it in the first week of January. You know? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Our, our buddy yeah. Jackie, uh, on his his podcast on Into the Necrosphere, he he's mm -hmm. doing his twenty twenty two best next year. Yeah, because you never know what like a, a a black metal band or death metal band that we love that you know 
plays by their own rules could just plop something out any day now. Well, that, that's what <laughs> happened last year with funeral mist. Yes, exactly. Um, and there was there was another one too that came out very late, and I was like, oh fuck. But uh, yeah, I mean, like the new Druk is coming out in a few weeks. Uh, the new Black Anvil comes out uh, Friday, November fourth. Speaking of Black Anvil kids, uh, myself and Stella are driving up to Albany on the fourth to go see them with uh, Dark Funeral, Immolation, and Cannibal Corpse, and. Uh, uh, John Draper is coming with us, so it should be a good time. Excellent, that's great. Yeah. Speaking of John Draper, let's let's give our rundown of our our buddies out there, our cohorts in this. Uh, yes, Mike. Mm-hmm. This uh, podcasting experience that we're yeah we're all the plugs yeah. So yeah. To kick things off, every week we have the Horror Wolf Six 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 podcast, brought to you by Brandon Legion. Uh, it he deals mainly primarily with interviews and he's got old school new school up and comers and the old guard on his mm-hmm. show yeah yeah good stuff and then on tuesday who do we got we got uh mr jackie smith brings us yeah. into the necrosphere that's like my only music podcast that i listen to for real i just uh i just wrapped up this week's episode uh today while working uh, where he talked his, about his thoughts about the new Dark Throne. And uh, I myself, uh, I don't know, man, these last few Dark Thrones are kind of depressing. But I got to I gotta sit down with this new one and, and really, you know, kind of give it the full listen, I guess. But I, the, the last one I really liked was uh, Arctic Thunder, uh, uh, you know, that's like a, four records ago. Yeah, that's a few records ago. Um, I yeah. const- constantly find out about new bands from listening to his show. It's really cool. I know. Uh, that's another reason you should be listening to Into the Necrosphere every Tuesday, kids. Uh, then on Wednesday, you have uh, the the flagship podcast, Everything Went Black, with none other than Mr. Mike Hill himself. Um, not necessarily a music podcast. It's not a movie podcast. It's It, it can be kind of uh, whatever Mike wants it to be, right, Mike? Yeah, it's kind of this free-form, you know, kind of like free jazz version of a podcast i guess yeah <laughs> free jazz yeah. and then on a thursday holy crap you're listening to it right now the necromaniacs podcast coming to you each and every thursday with myself mr hill and uh the elusive uh jeff kashid <laughs> um and on friday we have john draper's very own uh Break the Apocalypse podcast uh, for your comedic needs. On Saturday, go out and have some fun. But on Sunday, Mike, we've got yet another podcast, don't we? Of course, on Sunday, the Lord's Day, Carl Hikara brings you soul knocks for all things yep. uh, esoteric and occult. And I'm, we're actually planning on uh, doing another episode together. So stay tuned. I'll be appearing on his uh, podcast over the next few weeks. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, so we got you covered six days a week, uh, listeners. Uh, please support our friends. And uh, yeah, we hope you've been checking out the other podcasts, of course. And subscribe. Hit the subscribe button to all six of these sons of bitches. Right, Mike? Absolutely, man. And, uh, you know, we got a tight, tight unit here. You know, very, very good 
thing going and we want to share it with everybody. Yeah. Um, our last episode, uh, the three of us sat down and discussed Halloween ends. Uh, looks like you guys really enjoyed that episode. We had a lot of people checking it out. Um, I still feel like the general consensus is not our consensus. It still seems like it's pretty, pretty bloody out there for the movie. But again, I stand by my statement that I think time will ultimately be kind to this movie. I have met some people that kind of felt the, the same as you and I, that it, like it wasn't too bad, did not hate it, you know, but uh, it remains a controversial film, Mike. Exactly. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, like in another few years, someone else is going to do a Michael Myers uh, Halloween movie again. Mm. And it's going to yeah. just be like it's going to be how DC handles the Batman. You know, there's going to be all these different, yeah. you know, like writers and artists who deal with Batman. There'll be like the Alan Moore Batman. There's like mm -hmm. the Jason uh, Jeff Loeb Batman. You know, there's all these different <laughs> versions of Batman. They all kind of have these unrelated stories and that's kind of how the michael myers uh thing we already have carpenter's continuum we got rob zombie that's we right got, we got this new trilogy so there's probably going to be yet another one at some point i imagine there sure will uh it's funny speaking of like you know epic uh horror classics um i've had friday the 13th on my mind lately and i'm and i'm like you know i i it hopefully they they iron everything out so that they can get that franchise off the ground. And then sure enough, I saw that uh, a prequel series is coming called Crystal Lake. So my, my prayers have been answered. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I, what the, what's the story, man? Like, uh, you know, like the prequel to that, I, I don't see it really. The mythology of that, uh, well, like, I guess it's going to be a young Jason or the, the mother or like what? What's the story with that? Uh, well, it is uh, none other than A24 announces the Friday the 13th prequel series uh, called, you guessed it, Crystal Lake, and it is going right to Peacock. So um, I'm not entirely sure about much more of the details, but those are some interesting details right off the ground already. Uh, we've got a title. We've got the fact that it's A24, and we, we've got the fact that it's going to be on Peacock. So uh, I'm I'm down. I don't know about you. I'm I'm, I'm absolutely going to check it out. You know, but I'm just curious as to you know what. See, this is interesting. You know what I mean? Like we talked about Batman and how all these different comic book writers have taken a stab at doing Batman, and that's kind of how I feel. Like all these, I would like to see more exploration of these IPs. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, yeah. At first, yeah. I was like. Nah, I don't know if I need to see any more Michael Myers, but you know what? I think I do. I think I need more Michael Myers. I need more Jason <laughs> Voorhees. I need more Freddy Krueger. You know, I think it's kind of an interesting idea to come up with all these different continuums, and maybe one of them will be good. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe someone will hit onto some interesting stuff. Well, got a little two more pieces of info. It's a series, not a movie. Okay. And it is from Brian Fuller from Hannibal, oh. American Gods, and Star Trek Discovery. I, I, so. you, you just really, uh, now I'm in. I'm totally in. I like Brian Fuller. Yeah. I like him a lot, actually. So stoked about that. Let's go. Um, I guess, though, it's going to have to take some some liberties, but whatever. I mean, I mean maybe uh, 
Pamela Voorhees, if it's, if the focus is in fact on Pamela Voorhees, again, we don't know what the fuck the focus is going to be, but you know, um, she was already a nut job killing people even before all this started, which is, which is possible. Let's be honest. Right. Um, if, you know, if we take it from that angle or if it's said in the 60s, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the fuck they're going to do, but that's just one thought that came to my head about, you know, what they could do. You know, hmm. may, maybe it's going to be similar to uh, that. There was that show that was the Psycho prequel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was it? Right, what was that right. Called again? That was like, I forgot the name of it. Oh, God. Bates Motel. Was ba- it called? Yeah, Bates Motel. Oh, yeah. Bates Motel. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Maybe it's going to be like in line with that kind of thing where it's like, uh, you know, the, a deep realization of, uh, of the Voorhees, uh, you know, backstory. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, it, it, you know, I, I just really thought about it. You don't have to have, I mean, it could be a prequelish series from the first Friday and, and not obviously set in the 60s. You could just, in the 60s, you could just plop it now and just, you know, move the whole timeline to now, obviously. But uh, again, who the hell knows? Uh, I'm excited either way. Uh, and uh, as far as what I've been viewing, um, I have, you know, been enjoying Let the Right One In. Um, it's it's weird. It's like in some respects, it's kind of like the lighter version of all of the other ones, you know, in some ways. But then sometimes it does get pretty dark and gnarly, you know. But I think they've they've sh- kind of stripped away the some of the scuzzier aspects of it, like the pedophilia and the fact that like there's the whole like you know, it's just like i said it's it's not as grimy as the two films what do you think well it's like i was saying it's like it's like the vertigo comics version of it where they they have uh some there's like some intense stuff in there but it's really about world building and creating a story you know mm. and, and and i feel like the focus is almost more on the father and his uh his narrative you know yeah but uh, I'm digging it, you know. Um, I really like it, actually. Definitely. Yeah, me too. Uh, on the listening front, um, this band uh, who's on 20 Bucks Spin called Worm. Are you familiar with them? All right. There's a million bands called, is it Worm or Wormed or Worm? No, just W-O-R-M, Worm. They're from Florida. Uh, they had a prior LP on 20 buck and then a prior LP on another label, but they just dropped a new EP called blue nothing. And, uh, I am digging it. It's kind of doomy. They, they kind of started out as a black metal band and now they're kind of almost like a mix of death doom and black metal, but they're, they're really cool. I dig it. Worm W O R M. I know there are, there are other bands. I think there is another worm and there is wormed. So yeah, with yeah. a D. Okay. Yeah. But uh, been digging that. Um, looking forward to hearing the whole Black Anvil. The three tracks I have been digesting are really awesome. I've uh, been running the new uh, Dark Funeral a lot, which I actually really like. Um, they're a band that I, I liked way, way back in the 90s. And then I completely fell off for a while. And then I've just kind of caught up on their last two LPs. And I think the last two LPs, We Are the Apocalypse and Where Shadows Forever Reign, are great. 
So been digging those. And uh, this other band, uh, Dead Body, on uh, Closed Casket Activities, LP is called The Requiem. It's uh, the guys from uh, Twitching Tongues, a hardcore band. And one of the guys from, well, actually, they're both in God's Hate as well. They're brothers. Uh, they have yet another band uh, called Dead Body. They just dropped an LP last week called The Requiem. And uh, I'm digging that as well. What about you? Uh, as far as uh, films go, as I mentioned earlier, I saw something in the dirt, which was like, you know, Benson and Benson and Morehouse are like quickly becoming two of my, my favorite film producing group i think that, mm -hmm. that was great i've been list, really getting into the uh the del toro's curated cabinet of curiosities i don't know if you check oh, i gotta get to that i gotta get to that yeah two mm. two excellent standouts in that series are the viewing by uh panos cosmatos is a guy that we both like oh man really yeah, oh dude and then another great one is the autopsy uh by david Pryor. Um, and both of them are very awesome. They're great. They're very much in that kind of weird fiction realm too, which I really appreciate. Now, the all of them are great that I've seen so far. And ironically, the disappointing one is uh, Dreams in the Witch House adaptation, which is like one of my favorite H.P. Lovecraft stories. Ah, uh, and who did it? Who directed uh, it? I don't. I didn't write the guy's name down because I didn't. Uh -huh. I didn't want to really prop him up too much. But they take massive massive departures from the story which is sometimes okay i mean you know Stuart gordon did that but he had yeah. way better way better results you know what i mean oh wow yeah very, not very disappointed you know the, the brown jenkin character was kind of cool you know mm. but uh yeah not 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 too stoked on that and then uh the brand new adam neville just showed up in my mail the vessel ah, the vessel nice. yeah and um yeah music I musically um I, I think I mentioned this on Saturday. Uh, Carl Hikara recommended this band called The Hanging Garden. Mm. And I've uh, been just digging their whole catalog. It's, uh, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, Paradise Lost, uh, Doomy, uh, somber kind of, uh, you know, band. You know, obviously The Hanging Garden is a Cure song, and they have a song called The Cure. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally, totally. Yeah. So, awesome, yeah, man. yeah, that's pretty much uh, what I've been up to, you know. Very cool. Um, tonight, kids, is an episode that I think some of you might have been looking forward to when we were going to get to. And here we are getting to it. And that is, of course, the phenomena, the, the, the nationwide phenomena known as Terrifier 2. Wow. Man, lots to say here. Yeah. At long last. At long last. I know. Yeah, terrifying. I feel like for, for a couple of years, we've been talking about this movie coming. And then it almost seemed like for a minute it wasn't going to come, I think. Uh, you know, or it was, you know, it just seemed like one of those things that was like, yeah, man, next year or the year after. But 2022, here it is. Um, of course, the movie actually suffered some COVID uh, setbacks as they were filming it. Otherwise, it would have been out sooner. But of course, you know, this is an independent movie and shit happens. Uh, but, yo, anyway, 2022 it was. And I am going to say right off the bat, it was definitely worth the wait. Would you agree? Oh, man. 
Yes, it exceeded my uh, expectations because, you know, as anyone who's been listening to the show for the last few years knows, we both really enjoyed the first one. Mm. And, uh, and that one predates, uh, you know, Jeff's involvement with the show. So um, that's going back a few years. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, this, this one, well, you know, we'll, we'll get into all the reasons why, but this one really is like a transformative entry into the Art the Clown story. You know what I mean? Ah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's funny. One friend of mine asked me point blank because he just wanted to experience this in the theater. Do I need to see the first one to see this one? And my initial answer was going to just be yes. And I thought about it and I was like, no, dude, fuck it. Just go see this. You know, like you're not you're not going to get the chance to see something like this in a theater. So I was just like, it, just see this and then just see the other one when you go home or whatever, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, actually, maybe seeing the second one first will make you interested in seeing the first one and then the shorts, you know, and all that sort of stuff, you know, after the fact, you know? Right, because it's not like... It's not like Halloween 1 and 2 where you, in my opinion, say you're just completely blind to both movies. You're completely foreign to both movies. Yeah, you got to see the fucking first movie. You know what I'm saying? This one is a little uh, terrifier. I don't know. It's a little different. Yes, there's uh, um, you know some major things that go down, but they are a, kind of addressed in part two. And I don't know. I just felt like I didn't want to rob someone of the chance to see this in a theater. So I was like, yeah, dude, fuck it. Go for it. <laughs> no, that that was good. That was definitely a good recommendation because, like, you know, it's not nothing that's good. There's no deal breakers. It's not like you're going to come in and not know what right. the story is. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Yeah. It's it, it's not that that kind of, you know, series. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's not artsy. It's not like uh, it's not like Game of Thrones where it's like <laughs> you're, you're, it's killing, like... you're killing the whole thing by going, I'm just going to watch the Red Wedding first, you know, like yeah. that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, exactly. Um, Damien Leone, yeah. Director, writer, producer, uh, the man behind it all. He also edited the film. Um, and and hopefully, I imagine, after the success of this fucking movie, he's, uh, he's now a wealthy man, Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the budget according to my research, was $250,000 on this movie. Correct. And it is currently, as of this podcast, and we're taping this November 2nd, hovering at $8 million. <laughs> Excellent. That's so great, man. $8 million from two fifty dollars um, Although I feel like it might have been, they might have spent a little more than two fifty. dollars uh, Definitely not a million or anything. But I think it was... I, a bit more because the 250 was just the uh the GoFundMe money so there's there had to have been some more money somewhere but again uh, indiegogo i think it was i'm sorry uh money so i'm, I'm imagining that there might have been some more money somewhere but maybe not a ton um but either way man even if it's like you know 350k and you made almost eight million dollars that is it's unbelievable it is a rousing success mike and also the fact 
probably that they were able to do it for a low budget anyway is just the tireless work ethic of Damian Leone too. I mean, he's he has that black flag, like Greg Ginn, Chuck Dukowski uh, approach to making movies. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems like he's a can-do sort of guy, if, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it seems so. Um, and you know what's weird? When you click on his name on Wikipedia, all you get is that he's a director, writer, and producer known for All Hallows' Eve, Terrifier, and Terrifier 2, and inventing art the clown that's all you get you get no info where he's from you know what i'm saying like, there's usually like there's a little more but that's all there is like it's kind of funny in a way well well he's you know? from uh he's from isn't he from long island he's a, he's a new yorker i know that believe so yes i believe so and i but i i believe this movie was more of a new jersey affair but i, I think he is from long island yeah. i think you're right yes well, definitely some of those locations because there's um there's a scene at uh, QXTs in Newark that uh, the Goth Club. Yes, the Goth Club. That's right. Yeah. Um, but it's funny because I mean, honestly, r- remove the world from say two months ago, right? And the only people who know who this guy is are horror fans like you and I. Yes or no? Yes. Well, well, let's let's riff on that a little bit because I got a couple things that I want to talk about that have to do with just this aspect of it you know what i mean because like mm-hmm. yeah damien leone completely independent guy has a vision and his vision is very extreme this mm, character yeah. art the clown very extreme now earlier this year when x came out you know there was like a uh, discussion about the state the current state of horror mm-hmm. you know and ty west was talking about how he's like you know i'm just like really really let down by how lame horror movies are and so that motivated him to to make x which is an excellent film definitely definitely different you know his own thing now damien leone was like fuck everybody art the clown i don't care if this gets rated x i'm gonna make this movie yeah yeah pretty much i think like outgrossed major how you know like as far as like like major studio films that were just made with the with the uh, idea of not offending anybody you know what i mean oh yeah i mean 100 percent. you know it's like and i feel like that mindset you know is is i think something that w- will will catch on like honestly i think the success of this movie will hopefully knock on wood birth like ripoffs and when i say ripoffs i mean it in the best way yeah you know what i mean and and we for the last couple years we've been kind of complaining about how lame and you know woke like horror is and there's all these these, bullshit things that happen on netflix that suck and no one likes but you know critics will you know extol the virtues of like some of these like bullshit movies that come out, you know, like the like the Black Christmas remake and stuff like that. You know yeah. I mean? And now uh, and other yeah. films, you know. And and no one no one goes to see those fucking movies. No. no. They bomb horribly and they get horrible reviews and, and people talk on, on social media about how shitty they are. Right. Yeah. Um it's funny, you know, you brought up X. X is one of the the, the friggin' killer movies of the year for me. Uh, that was a budget of $1 million and grossed almost $15 million. Yeah. Um, 
rousing success. Um, I mean, you know, we could do a whole episode about just how good this year has been for horror. We won't. Well, we will at the end of the year. Of, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, that, that that's kind of what the end of the year is for. But you'd be a, a fool not to realize uh, what's been going on this year. I, I mean, it, it may even make history this year. Um, and it's not even necessarily coming from any, like, big horror it's it really isn't at all it's coming from smaller horror making a lot of money making waves and and bringing people into actual movie theaters um you know people plunk down a lot of money actually to see some of these much smaller films um i mean i, I saw terrifier 2 at a late friday showing in in south brooklyn and it was an almost full theater with teenagers um and they seem like they were kind of having the time of their life uh i think about two three people did walk out but you know i mean it, it was not like it just seemed like such a fun thing for such a pretty fucking vile disgusting movie people were having fun during it and i mean i don't know i don't know if i want to do i do i read into that do we read into that does it mean we've become completely desensitized or is the movie more campy than serious, Mike? What do you think? Well, that's the brilliance of the film is that it operates on a couple of different levels, really. You know what I mean? It's and that's uh -huh. the brilliance of, of Damien Leone's writing and production. You know, and and I, I got to say one more thing, man, about him. When 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 Damien Leone wins, I feel like it's a win for me and you and Jeff. Yes. You know what yeah. I mean? It's yeah. like I, I am so happy that. This might be the death knell for all this like weak ass like bullshit that people are passing off as horror films. You know, yeah, no one goes be, to see yeah. those fucking movies. No one cares about no. the, new, the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre with the you know the fucking millennial uh, you know assholes <laughs> in it or you know the sensitive yeah. uh, you know fucking Leatherface. Or no one cares. Right. No. no, no one likes those movies. They like this. They like dark, brutal horror. It's and mm. and even regular people like this movie. Like, not just horror fans. That's the thing that blows my mind. I mean, this had a New York Times article. This was talked about on morning talk shows. It was talked about on late night talk shows. I mean, you you can't buy that. Like, there are mainstream movies that wanted, that would kill someone privately for that. You realize that, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> like, there are, you know, PR companies and marketing companies that, that you know, would do anything for the buzz that this movie generated and it was brilliantly done in on in october like you know what i'm saying like they didn't fuck it up and well the movie's coming out in april uh you know what i'm saying it was done right before halloween and honestly it kind of press wise it ate you know halloween kills for lunch oh, you yeah. know yeah, honestly totally. to be honest it made it didn't make the money halloween Halloween kills made you know almost 100 million dollars i think or around that um but that was also in more theaters than Terrifier 2. But Terrifier 2 did manage to creep into a shit ton of theaters the week after that, that initial first release of October 6th. It did so well that a shit ton of theaters across America, like, we fucking want this movie, man. We want it for Halloween. And they got it, and, and it just amassed this, you know, tremendous box office. Um, 
Yeah, it was released initially in about 886 theaters. And, um, you know, I, I was reading another article that said that a lot of theaters thought it was just going to be for that weekend. Oh, yeah. And then everyone kept it, basically. Yep. Like, it wasn't for, it wasn't for just one weekend. Any Like, everyone kind of kept it, and then other theaters grabbed it who missed it for that weekend. So, man, that is just fucking amazing. Unbelievable. And, and I saw it on the extension because it was supposed to close. And then right. on the extra week is when I realized <laughs> that I got to get with the program and see this fucking movie. And uh, I had to, it was not showing. It, it already had finished its run in my local theater. The one that's in, in Edison, so I had to yeah. drive drive down to North Brunswick to check it out in a different theater. And there was like they were they were only having like one show a night, and uh, I went like during the week, and you know it was fairly full. There's a couple walkouts, you know, mm. but and there was a Q and A, like a filmed Q and A after after the movie, similar to right. that, similar to that thing we saw for Thirty One, you know. Yes, it was very similar to that actually. It's funny that you said that because that's exactly what I thought of. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> I guess I guess we can get to uh, you know the particulars. Uh, you know, just be, just because. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the official release release dates were uh, at Fright Fest, August 29th, twenty twenty-two, and then mm-hmm. in the U.S. it it uh, went out October sixth, twenty twenty-two. Right. The theatrical cut is one hundred and thirty-eight minutes long. Mm. Now, the word on the street is if you're going to buy the the Blu-ray, the physical copy cut is different, apparently, than the theatrical cut. Have you heard that same information? I have, but what I would love to do is uh, check out maybe like, you know, Blu-ray.com or one of those other sites to, to actually see if that is the case. I would be more wondering also if once it leaves like bloody disgusting's uh streaming service screenbox if like it'll be altered for say you know other places which i have a feeling it might be to be totally honest um oh, interesting yeah yeah okay you know th- that i almost feel like is probably definitely the case but again hell i could be completely wrong um because honestly the movie is really unrated right i mean it, i i almost feel like i haven't it was it, it wasn't nc-17 and it was you know it's certainly not r it was basically an unrated movie that went out the door which is kind of cool right i love it i love that you know I, I think that's fucking amazing i love it yeah yeah um oddly enough listeners i saw the movie in the very theater uh that mike and i saw serbian film in almost <laughs> some 10 years ago which was uh the first Everything Went Black episode, which went on to be the, you know, kickoff for this podcast that you're listening to now. So full circle with Terrifier 2, Michael. Wow. So you started at the Alpine. Alpine. Yep. Bay Ridge. Excellent. Uh, yeah. The Alpine, folks, is one of the only mom and pops left in Brooklyn. It's a cool theater, you know, and they they definitely take chances with the horror. I'll tell you that. They, they, they get the they get the movies that you want to see, which is pretty wild, you know? <laughs> That's awesome, man. So let's run down the cast. There's a couple of interesting things about the cast here. We have uh, Lauren LaVera as mm-hmm. Sienna, Sienna Shaw. Mm-hmm. Now, this is interesting, too. We have Elliot Fulham as Jonathan, her brother. Now, you might recognize him from yes. Little Punk People. 
That's right. Yeah. He has grown up before our very eyes. Yeah. Um, if you listen to metal, if you listen to hardcore or punk rock, you, you might know exactly who he is. And if you have social media, uh, he does the interview or he used to do the interviews as a young lad, you know, talking to, to bands and, you know, it was actually a, a really cool thing. And um, sure enough, years back, he, he interviewed uh, Lou Kohler from Sick of It All, friend of the show. And um, if you were paying attention to one of the scenes uh, in, in the character Jonathan's room, sure enough, he had uh, the cover of Sick of It All's first album, Blood, Sweat, and No Tears hanging up. Did you did you notice that, Mr. I, Hill? I did catch that, yes. Yes, along with uh, Merciful Fade and King Diamond and some other cool, you know, metal stuff hanging in his room. But uh, yeah, Elliot Fulham is now uh, acting, and I think he did he did a good job. And as Art the Clown, we have David Howard Thornton. And mm. um, now apparently the original Art the Clown uh, was um, what the hell's the guy's name? I got it written down here. Originally, it was portrayed by Mike Gianelli, mm. who uh, retired from acting. Apparently, that's uh, that's the word about him uh but thornton did terrifier one right yeah but the the shorts the shorts you know, like got the ninth circle and mm -hmm. all hallows eve, he all was, hallows eve he got played, it. Uh, yeah he played in that oh interesting yeah. interesting so on the convention circuit we could have two people yeah, there, there could be two uh -huh. unless uh gianelli doesn't want anything to do with uh, <laughs> exactly yeah exactly but uh it's funny it. you mentioned uh you mentioned uh, after the movie that like the little q a thing where they actually showed david howard david howard thornton and uh yeah he's a he's kind of an odd looking uh man he's the perfect to play art the clown we have uh sarah voigt as uh barbara shaw which is the mother mm -hmm. of uh sienna and jonathan um and em emily mclean as she's credited as the little pale girl the little pale girl all right I got a question right off the bat about Little Pale Girl, though. Okay. What's your question? In the, in the beginning scene, spoiler alert, where he's in the uh, laundromat, Art the Clown, after he's, you know, done done some of his business, and he's washing his clothes, which is a pretty interesting moment there, and he sees the Little Pale Girl, and then one of the guys, the only other guy in there, when he looks over, he just sees Art and not the little pale girl. I was under the impression that the little pale girl was not real. But then there were other scenes where Elliot and Sienna saw her. So well, are they just kind of fucking with the audience there? Like, what was well, that? I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, I also want to talk a little bit about some of the world building here because of that very thing. Now... Mm -hmm. In the very first movie, for the most part, in, in Terrifier 1, it's a straight-up slasher film. Yes. The guy dressed up with a clown, cutting, cutting people up. That's basically the premise. Except for, at the end, he pulls a Michael Myers. Yeah. Disappears from the morgue, okay? Mm -hmm. in, this in this Terrifier 2, it definitely sets it up where there's a lot of supernatural stuff going on. And I feel a lot. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. a little pale girl is almost like a, a ghost or like a spirit or something that's going to be later defined because yes, mm -hmm. the guy in the, in the laundromat did not see her, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, Sienna 
and um and Jonathan do see her. Right. So it's it's not one or the other. It's like some kind of spirit or ghost or, you know, supernatural being. That that's my take on it. Um and and then again get you know, getting to the supernatural aspect, the the whole story of the father of Sienna and Jonathan, who has killed himself, who was an artist, and apparently had drawn Art the Clown, and they don't explain, like, like why, like how all that ties in is not a hundred percent explained. Do you agree? Uh, it's not explained, but no. it's it's definitely an influence because there's a couple things going on in the film that I think we can talk about without blowing the whole wide here you know what I mean? no no yeah yeah i mean i do think uh, look there's a part three coming and apparently a part four coming so because they said something to the effect is that they don't want part three to be the, as long as part two because they kind of you know two was a little long um you know and they kind of it's not that they regret that it was too long but it won't be as long um and they do need to explain a, a lot, I feel like, but that's fine because, hey, man, I'll, I'll be there for part three and four. Don't get me wrong. But I do want to know a lot more because at one point I was thinking, oh, my God, Art is their father. And then it was like, oh, no, 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 he's not their father. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for when, a minute, I when, thought Art was their father. When Terrifier 3 and 4 come around, you're, you're definitely going to have to watch Terrifier 2 to know what the story is for sure. Like, the, yes. first, the first one kind of, like, you don't need to see it because they kind of they kind of um you know summarize it a little bit you know with with what happened the legend he's like you know this thing happened in this town there's like the sole survivors this maimed woman she's on TV you know they they go into a little brief summary of they give you the gist of what he's all about you know what i mean yeah but with all the world building that happens in Terrifier 2 and the the plot threads and the mythology like you're going to need to watch all the films like as a, as a piece i think no, no, absolutely. Um, oh, just a little call out. Uh, our, our, our friend, Felissa Rose from Sleepaway That's Camp right. had a little cameo in this movie, which uh, I thought was cool. It was it was good to see her. It's funny, I, I, I remembered she was going to be in the movie. And I was like, oh, I wonder what they're going to do with her. Well, you know, they didn't do too much with her, but it was just still nice to see her in the movie. And, of course, uh, we can just give a little brief mention to the other cameo at the end of the film, uh, wrestler uh chris jericho as burke uh also the singer of the metal band fozzy michael is that guy canadian yes he is yes because it was uh up in with aside from him it was like a very tri-state area cast i feel oh yeah yeah absolutely and another new york new jersey love fest so to speak kind of like sleepaway camp you yeah. know <laughs> and uh the, you know the first friday the 13th in a way but uh yeah good good observation there but um yeah the you know lauren lavera as sienna shaw she was fucking amazing uh beautiful girl great actress um i i think uh she's gonna have some long lines ahead of her at the cons um but i i don't know the movie gets nutty michael um at a certain point once we delve deeper into the whole father's drawings and her costume, 
you know, warrior costume thing. What do you think? It's almost like the thing with her dad was he was looking into the future. You know what I mean? Like he was yeah. like almost yes. like this uh, oracle where he was for- foretelling the coming of Art the Clown and he created mm-hmm. this whole, you know, warrior princess concept for Sienna to kind of grow into. You know, we, mm. and, you know, he had drawings of this, you know, this armor and a sword and all this sort of stuff. And, and, uh, and then events just sort of manifested. So that's what I mean. Like, there's definitely mm-hmm. more to that story, which they, they touch on it in the first one. And then you, like in the first movie, like I was saying earlier, art's just like a clown, a guy dressed like a clown cutting people up. Like a one, crazy, a crazy killer. Yeah, yeah. He's a, you know, a serial killer, like with a clown outfit on. You know what I mean? In the second one, though, he he's, you know, like some kind of demonic, evil embodiment or something. You know, you don't really. There's something going on, and it's supernatural. It's not just yeah. a guy in a suit. He's got powers. He's very. He's evil. You know. There's like this malicious spirit, and and it's um, intriguing. And the story, and like I said, the second one blew away any expectation I had. Like, I knew it was going to be extreme. Yeah, like, I just, I kind of thought I was going to get a repeat of part one, but this is really not a repeat of part no, one. No, 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 no. No, it's, I, I, I tell you, the, the one scene that I don't think I'll ever forget for as, as long as I live is that, that sing-along scene, the, 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 uh, that you know the the commercial whatever scene within the the, the movie kind of you know and the the massacre that takes place uh, at the end of that scene i just was so creeped out by that i yeah. don't know why like it just had a very dirty early 80s yes. like vibe to it you know what do you think man well yeah man it's like uh and that that's another strength of this film is that it's it doesn't feel nostalgic at all. Like you no. watch some movies are you know, we're influenced by eighty slashers and it's basically it takes place in the eighties. It's got synth scores and it's a fucking ripoff of like a number right. of different characters. This really does capture the vibe of those creepy ass eighties films. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, like like Phantasm and like uh, you know Maniac. Mani- I just I was Maniac. thinking about Maniac throughout almost the whole movie for some reason. Because yeah, want... yeah, because Maniac has those trippy scenes in it. Phantasm mm-hmm. has those trippy scenes. Um, you know, the first uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, the dream sequences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I could see that and totally. Random early Spawn comics. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, there's okay. this, I caught this. Angela, yes, and that just, that just might be me. You know what I mean? Okay. But like some yeah. of the like maybe the first within the first ten to twenty issues of Spawn, uh-huh. was like, they had like a little bit of this creepy dream clown vibe in there too. They had the clown, and then they had the, that character Angela, right? Yep, the warrior, right. yeah, the uh, female warrior character. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Very interesting. Now that I now that you've said it, I can see it. Exactly. You know? That that's that's. You know, I I would love to pick this you know Damien Leone's brain to find out what he's into because I guarantee you he's into all the stuff that we're talking about. Yeah, it would be interesting to see where the hell all this came from because, as I was saying, uh, listeners, towards almost like the three quarter mark, it just it becomes almost like a very different movie. Um, 
where the supernatural, these fantastical elements, so to speak, are are introduced. And for a minute, it kind of lost me. And then it kind of gained me back, Mike. I got to say, it was weird. Uh, because there is there was a scene, spoiler alert, uh, <laughs> where you think the movie is actually kind of over. Um when uh, Elliot Fulham's character, Jonathan Shaw, seemingly kills Art the Clown. And no, there was about 20, 22 minutes left of the movie. <laughs> like, and it just, it, it took on this whole other kind of vibe regarding uh, Sienna Shaw's character and the, the, the warrior princess outfit she was wearing for Halloween, mind you, um, and how it was modeled after her father's drawing and how there was a, one of the drawings of this warrior princess with basically the head of Arthur Clown in her hand. And it just, you know, it, it was like almost like two movies in one, right? Well, yeah, it, it's like slasher meets heroic fantasy. You know what I mean? Right. And, yeah, and, and yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, with her in the, in the armor and the sword, you know, and then there's like, you know, this... Uh, you know, the prophecy that her father put out there in his drawings. Mm -hmm. It's like so fucking interesting, man. Like I was, I was, I was actually, all right. The, the trippier scenes, I think maybe this is where they should have edited it a little bit better. You know, I think, you know, mm -hmm. I'm speaking now about the, uh, the 138 minute cut of this film. Now, mm -hmm. you know, they, they could have like cut some of that and it would have been tighter, but I think the story, I was still way into that part, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's funny you mentioned like a synth score. This had a synth score, but I actually, I really liked the music. Actually, I thought it was it was it was a good synth score. Um, yeah. You know, I, I if you like that kind of music, then essentially there is never too much of it. You know, um, although you know it, it's kind of nothing new under the sun in 2022. But when it's done well, it's done well, right? But it, it wasn't just like someone ripping off John Carpenter and Tangerine Dream and stuff like that. Right, you know, right. It was like a, a very original, like just like the film. It's not a ripoff of 80s slasher films. The the music wasn't a ripoff of 80s synth scores. It was just, right. it was like a very, very original, unique, creative thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess we could talk about the very end with spoilers, I mean, look, a, a huge portion, I think, of our listeners have seen the movie. I hope so. Um, or, or they're go, or they're going to see it and then listen to the episode, which I've learned that is what some listeners do, depending on what movie it is, if yeah. it's like the brand new ones. Um, I feel like, like the ending was so bonkers when they're in like the insane asylum, and we where 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 with the the sole survivor of uh, Terrifier One which is uh, Victoria Hayes, Vicky, played by actress Samantha Scafidi. Um, Irish name. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, Irish lass. But uh, she, yeah, she's in this movie too. Uh, she has this fucking horrific, mutilated face. I mean, I don't know. How can you even describe that face, Mike? Oh, dude, it's horrific. It's like the thing of nightmares. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It was kind of difficult to look at honestly um she's like you know uh writing on on the walls and, and and just you know apparently she looks like she's like pregnant and and 
she she kind of gives birth to Art the Clown, so to speak, again, because uh, prior to that, Art is in fact decapitated by Sienna, but the head is kind of stolen away by the little pale girl who just kind of disappears off into the night with the fucking head. So yeah, the movie gets a little nutty. <laughs> but I, I love that part of it, man. You know what I mean? Mm. I, I really, really, that that's like the things I love the most about this movie is because any, any of the ripoffs, like any of the eighties nostalgia ripoffs, don't don't go go there. They don't go, they don't they don't fuck like that. Like you know what I mean? No. Like this this is like, you know, far out shit. And that's what I really appreciated about this movie. And I think it solidifies that, yeah, the art is supernatural and B, he can't be killed, possibly. That's what I think it says. No. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, and that just opens up for the uh you know for the second and the third and the fourth installment of this uh this saga which i hope i hope we get a a you know a fairly solid art backstory and then more about you know uh sienna and jonathan's father and that whole deal because i mean that's super interesting you know to me shout out to uh kaylee hyman uh, as as Brooke, Sienna's best friend, for portraying a uh, New Jersey uh, lady, um, even though she's from Los Angeles, I was like, I, look, I looked her up like on IMDb, and sure, she's from LA, and I, I picked her as being someone from like uh, Bergen County or something. Oh my god! Yeah. No, wait, is that the one who gets the really horrific death, like with like the like? You know. Oh well, there's a couple of really horrific deaths. Her and her boyfriend get killed in the car. Oh, okay, okay, different one. Oh, that. Oh, she's not from Jersey. She's not from wow. Jersey. <laughs> wow. Okay, I would have thought she was from Jersey. I was referring to the other one who gets killed in like the bedroom and the scalped and like Dude. fucking that. Oh my god, I was just like, I think that was one of the harshest scenes in the movie. But the most heartbreaking death is the death of mom would you yeah, agree i would agree i was i, I, would, I was hard that was a heartbreaking death kind of a shocking death too uh what he called uh barbara shaw played by actress sarah voigt yeah very you know animatronics when was the last time you saw animatronics in a, in a movie been a minute been a minute there's no there's no fake ass looking synthetic cgi blood in this movie none at all you know, practical effects. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure if there was any CGI, it was very minimal. You know, I mean, that stuff's not not cheap to do, you know, number yeah. one. But yeah, I mean, animatronics, you get you get an animatronic callback in this film. Oh, totally, totally. What was the things that you might not have liked about the movie? The one criticism I have and it's and in the moment. I didn't really feel this. It's only when I reflect back on it that I feel like it was a little long. You know what I mean? Mm. And not, yeah. not so much that the length of it bothered me because when I was having a blast watching it and, uh, you know, and yeah, it's the Ben-Hur of slasher films. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, however, just as like a film, they could have tightened up some of the scenes. You know, and it, there could have been some thing shaved just to make the story move a little bit more, you know what I mean? Like we were talking about how when the heroic fantasy chapter started, that that stuff could have been shaved down a little bit, you know, tightened up. Yeah. You know, things like that. 
But other than that, they're really that. That's my only criticism of this movie, really. Yeah, me too. I mean, a, a bit about the length, and then I just think, um, I don't know. Something to keep in mind is that, as as great and fun as this is, it's it's not it's not X, it's not Men, and it's not Barbarian. You know what I'm saying? It's it's more over the top. It's more. I'm using the word camp, and I don't know if I, if, if it even applies. 100% Mike I feel like it d- does apply a little but it's more midnight movie-ish almost at times what do you think about that like it I would I would say it's more of like a midnight movie is I mean yeah sure yeah. there's a little campiness to it but not it's that's not even that word doesn't really capture the, the vibe you know what I mean no it, it's an no. extreme over the top it is extreme yes but not extreme the way like Vogel's uh, Fred Vogel's films are extreme, where like you right. you, know, you want to like you know you don't want to you don't want to watch the movies anymore, you know. But it was yeah. like it's extreme and like they don't they do not shirk away from violence or gore. But it's I and, and it's ironic to even say, but it's done tastefully, you know. Where Fred Vogel's stuff is not very tasteful, you know what I mean. Right. This isn't August Underground. No. It's not slaughtered vomit dolls. Yeah. It's not a tras. Oh. It's not like a movie that. It's not a movie that you're going to need a shower after. How about no, that? No, I don't exactly. think it is. Yeah. I think it's a little more fun, even though it is extreme fucked up horror. Um, you know, hell, they're they're more like, you know, like. Gaspar No movies, I think, are actually, quote, worse than this. You know what I'm saying? And I don't mean worse. I mean, I don't mean bad. I mean, worse is in OTT, kind of like, I need to take a shower. I need to go see a therapist. Right. Um, <laughs> like, you know, this is like close, but no cigar in that regard. But it is hyper violent. And it, but, you know, it's kind of more fun than that. You know, it's not serious man's deep thinking horror either let's be honest it's not um but it's kind of it's it's something that was needed and is needed and it's something that like the horror world even if some people think it wasn't needed it kind of was and now that i think it's here and it was a big success i stand by that there's going to be more to come and i think more people kind of taking chances and people just making more crazier horror. And that's a great thing. What, what I think is whatever Evil Dead was, the first Evil Dead, that, that's whatever, whatever adjective you would use to describe that movie, that's what you would use to describe Terrifier 2. Yeah, it's, you know? it's a good analogy. It yeah. is a good analogy. Because um, that movie had its, its moments of, this is super fucking scary and super violent. And it had its moments of, yeah, this is actually kind of funny. You know, or like it's it's kind of not that bad, you know, um, but yeah, similar similarities, I feel like. Yeah. But uh, the moment of truth has arrived, listeners, and we need to know, Mike Hill, what do you think on a scale of one to five? I give it a five. Tip? I give it a five, man. You do give it a five. I do. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. I, I pre-ordered the Blu-ray. I'm going to, you know, I'm down with it. I back this movie 100 percent. i think 
not only is it a great, enjoyable movie, but it's something that is, I think, really reset the the modern horror genre, film genre. Mm. I really do. I think it, I think this is an important movie in the horror film genre. I do too, and I gave it a four point five. I shaved it off because, again, like I said, it's it's not perfect. It's not a perfect movie, um, and I, you know, I don't think it's the best horror movie of twenty twenty two. I don't, but it's damn near close, and I gave it a four point five. How about that? Hey, that's that's I'll, you know I'm sure Damien Leone will take that too. You know? Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, you need to see this movie. Um, the only people I think that don't need to see this movie are people who can't hang. The horror fans out there who just can't hang with like, you know, scalpings and just really fucked up killings. Because there are some horror fans like that out there, you know, who prefer maybe a little more, you know, thriller horror or they prefer more kind of like ghosty horror. You know what I'm saying? No, yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, yeah, I, I, I like I like. I like everything, you know. I like any yeah, anything no, as long as it's as long as it's good, as long as it has a compelling story, and there's good, you know, reasonably good effects, and and it's creative, you know. And I really hope because of the success of this film, the box office financial success, mm-hmm. it fucking obliterates any of this bullshit that's going on with all this other like, <laughs> like really watered down crap that's that came out over the last few years that is afraid of offending anyone is inclusive and all this other bullshit you know what i mean you know what's funny i bet you somewhere someone in filmed them <laughs> is having a conversation going how do we get our terrified two next year i'm sure they you do man i'm sure there's going to be a lot yep. of pale pale like some major studio is going to try to make a film like this and it's going to fail and then some other like weirdo out out in in the you know far recesses of society is going to make another excellent film like this, and and they're going to be successful because of it's the same deal, man. It's like you know it, when you get too many people involved, it just gets fucked up. I mean, Damien Leone, this is his fucking movie, man. He's in, he's. It's his vision. You need a visionary. You need to be a visionary to make this kind of movie. It can't be made by committee. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's it's great because it guarantees a nice theatrical for Terrify 3, obviously. Um, and, you know, more money to make Terrify 3, I would imagine, as well. And it'll, you know, up the ante on, on almost every level, hopefully. And uh, fuck, man, that'll be great. Um, you know, sometimes things have residual effects. And when things do well, it sets the bar for other things to do well. And I think that's what this movie's going to be. And it is an important movie. Like you said, I think it, it's a historic film, actually. Yeah, this, this uh, is going to yeah. be like uh, like Halloween and all those like classics from the '80s. Like people look back, and I think even back in, in Terrifier One, I think I made a, made a statement that Art mm. the Clown is the, a modern, a truly modern slasher character, and this just continues with that statement, and I think really solidifies him as like a a character 
for the new millennium, like a slasher character, you know? The last time something like this happened in horror was literally 1999's Blair Witch Project, Mike. Yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. That was the last time, like, where people were bugging out and they had to see it. And you know what I'm saying? It was like, I can't think of anything else unless we're both wrong. We're listeners. Keep us honest. This was, that was the last event horror movie. Um, and that's fucking 20 years. It's a long time. More than 20. Yeah. yeah even, even uh paranormal, paranormal activity didn't, didn't have the same buzz as Blair Witch Project. Came close. Came close. Okay. That would yeah. be the, yeah. I would say the first paranormal activity was bu- very buzzy. And it did very well and it was made for pennies. So, and that's a minute ago. So it seems like it takes a good chunk of time for something like this to happen. But you are right about the the whole atmosphere surrounding Blair Witch Project and the, the, the vibe surrounding Terrifier 2 where like Blair Witch, I mean, I, in the office that I worked in back at, when that came out, like people that had no, didn't even know about horror films were talking about it. They were like, oh, you know, yeah. people say it was real, you know, and it's like, it created like that 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 fantasy around it. Just like I think, I think in Terrifier too, there's a little bit of the fantasy of people throwing up and stuff like that. And you know, I don't know if that actually happened, but maybe it did, maybe it didn't. You know, but it created a this environment like around the movie. You know, <laughs> you know, it's funny <laughs> when people were watching Blair Witch Project and and whatever and confused about if it was real or not and then it was like it, it dawned on me i was like confused about if it's real it, it has the name of the cast in it it has the it has the director the writer the cast it's a movie like what's wrong with you people <laughs> right it's, right but like funny. there was a whole campaign around that though right exactly exactly before, I know. yeah before yeah. the movie was released yeah. you also remember this is the early days of the internet Okay. This right. Like, like, like it was, yeah. That's even true, even yeah. having the internet and being able to go on like a message board felt like super fringe. Like you were doing something wrong almost. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. you know what's funny? I think I was on uh, two very early horror movie related message boards. One was a Blair Witch one, but I totally remember being on this web thing for american psycho mike oh interesting another good one and that was actually really cool because it had patrick bateman talking to the the, the people who signed up for it <laughs> and it was if he was living in 1999 or 2000 or whatever and it was 10 years later it was really interesting yeah it was it was actually really cool and there were probably some um, people out there who thought patrick bateman was a real person yeah, maybe they did. Maybe okay, they did. You know? Exactly. But yeah. that was the that was a fun time. Um, wow. So yeah, obviously, listeners, look, you, you kind of don't even need us to tell you to see the movie uh, if you haven't already, of course. Um, but a lot of fun to see in the theater. Not sure of its current whereabouts, theater-wise, post Halloween. But if it's still playing and you haven't seen it in the theater. Go see in the theater. If not, get the Blu-ray. Uh, it is now, I believe, showing just on uh, Screenbox, which I do not have because I'm not paying for yet another streaming service, but that's okay. You can if you want to. I am not going to do it. Yeah, but yeah <laughs> definitely, man. The more the merrier. 
you know i mean I, i'm i i too do, do not have stream box screen box but um you know hey do what you feel do what you feel uh so yeah another episode in the books as they say uh we got barbarian coming soon right mr hill that'll be me and jeff yeah and that'll be yeah. that'll be next week's episode we're talking about barbarian and uh that's and I'm sure everyone knows that that is another movie that everyone's talking about. So we're, we're gonna yeah, man. Uh, a lot of people were very stoked that that actually was on HBO Max. Like people didn't know where they could see it, and then it's like, nope, fuck, HBO Max has it. Hell yeah. So um, I gotta say, I have not seen anyone say they don't like it. Like not one person, honestly. Like on social media. So that's got to be a good sign. Oh yeah. So yeah. yeah. Alrighty, alrighty. Uh, thank you all for listening. Again, be sure to subscribe. Be sure to check out our fellow podcasters of the apocalypse. Right, Mike? That's right. And every, every uh, day, every yeah, six days, every day, all day, every day. And um, we will see you all next time. Take, Take care, care, guys. Have a good night.
try to obey the law, but when the law fails you, and something is that personal, and is that precious to you, you, uh, you give up on the law. You say, to hell with the law. The law doesn't count anymore. You've got to try to do something, anything.